How about a great big welcome and God bless to our online family too. Let's welcome them. God bless you. Peace to your house. It's going to be a good morning. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series we started last week called Heaven is for Real. How many of you hope heaven is for real? Well, I want you to know that heaven is for real. And uh, let me just start out with this. And this is kind of an underlying and overarching kind of principle. Everybody spends forever somewhere. Come on, read that with me. Everybody spends forever somewhere. And there's only two, in actuality, only two possible destinations. Heaven and hell. Okay? And they're both real. So the series could be called Hell is for Real, y'all. But our focus is on heaven. Our focus is on heaven. Um, And if we put our focus on heaven, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. Now, whether you are aware of this or not, sometimes I'm fully aware of this. Sometimes it's happening anyway. But I want you to become more and more aware of this, that everything about ministry, everything about church, everything about the Bible. Uh, handles two things. First is this, is how to live here. And secondly, is how to get there. And so be aware of that. And every time we come together, that's what this is about, is how to live here and how to get there. And that's not just for us, that's for others as well. Now, heaven, the Bible gives us a kind of a partial view of heaven, a partial view of hell, enough that We can see that there's also some things that cannot be captured by just mere words. There's some things the scripture reveals that um, uh, Paul was caught up at one point. John was caught up into heaven at at one point. And there's things they just couldn't describe. And there are things that they heard that they said wouldn't fit into human words. And so there's some things that are beyond the scope of what we can know and understand or imagine about heaven and, and also about hell. But we do see enough about heaven and hell that it makes it kind of easy to see which one we should choose. Pretty easy. And the beautiful part of all this is because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and by rising again from the dead and then ascending and being seated at the right hand of the Father and at present right now serves as our intercessor pleading our case before the Father. Because of what Jesus has done, listen, here's the beautiful part. We have a choice. I said we have a choice. We're, we're not just stuck. We're not just bound for hell. Actually, the old song, I'm bound for the promised land. We're bound for heaven if we're a believer. I said this earlier when we were talking about three services, that as long as there is then a heaven and a hell, then church growth is not an option. Can we put that on the screen? As long as there's a heaven and a hell, church growth is not an option. Why? Let's go back to the top again, because everybody spends forever somewhere. And it's either going to be heaven or hell. And we who know need to share. And all of us need to make sure that we're focused in the right way on this, knowing how to live here, knowing how to get there. Are you there? Well, heaven is virtually 
indescribable and incredible, so is hell. Virtually indescribable and quite incredible because both are extremes beyond what we could even imagine. Incredible actually means unbelievable. And it's so hard for us to even believe how great heaven would be and how bad hell would be. And they're extremes and they're virtual opposites of each other. But we want to make our focus on heaven and, and talk about this. Now, heaven is the habitation of God. The throne of God is in heaven. That's the habitation. It's the residence of God. Uh, Revelation 2 also reveals to us that, that heaven is the paradise of God. So if I have a subtitle for you today, it would be paradise. Everybody say paradise. And we want to talk about that because this is what I want. I want you to yearn and long more for heaven, but I also want you to see what you're supposed to be doing right now. So again, how to live here, how to get there. But paradise is involved um, in this. Now, the early Christians go back into the first century and you can go visit these sites today. I'd love to get to do this. But in Rome, they have what are called the Roman catacombs. And if you'll remember that in the Colosseum, uh, they made game of um, gladiators and martyring Christians and so forth. And so the catacombs were both a hiding place underground in Rome, a hiding place, and then it also became a burial place for first century Christians that were martyred. But these Christians had a faith like you wouldn't believe. And sometimes, although we never want this, persecution and problems will cause your faith to ramp up. I have a friend who's a pastor in in Russia. And um, years ago, he said to me, uh, we were at a minister's meeting. He said, Christianity will always survive persecution. Christianity may not survive prosperity. Because we get so comfortable that we never engage our faith. Now, I like comfortable. I like when there's not problems and there's not pressure and there's not persecution. But faith causes us to overcome and and it goes with the turf. You better have some faith. These first first century Christians had an incredible faith. And they had an awareness of heaven. They had an eager expectation for heaven. They lived with the hope, with a confident expectation that that there was life after death, that there was life after this life, that there was a real and literal place called heaven. There are drawings down in the catacombs. There are drawings and inscriptions that you could see to today. Here's a sample of one that's actually there. It says, and this is a tomb of someone named Alexander. In Christ, Alexander is not dead, but lives. One who lives with God. He was taken up into his eternal home. So they had an awareness they could see. In Christ, he lives. He's not dead. We put his body here. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he lives with God. He's he's been caught up to his eternal home. Listen, they lived. With this hope, and hope is not wishing, this is a confident expectation that there, get this, life after death, there's life after this life. And that the reality of a real place 
called heaven. Now look with me in Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes, for to me, living means living for Christ. Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do, watch, more fruitful work for Christ. He's talking about living here. Well, if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Makes it is better that I continue to live here. Now there's a balance there that should keep us torn. It should keep us longing for heaven, but realizing there's some things I need to be doing right here. Can I get an amen? Now, verse 21 and 22 in the message paraphrase says this, alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. So he's weighing it out. Watch this. Life, that's us right now, versus even more life. So we've got to understand that there's a life after this life. That this is very, very temporary. Now, our culture and media and all kinds of agendas and things in our world today are, are going to, oh, yeah, right. It's been so cartoonized and commercialized and dramatized and everything else that people are like, heaven, I don't know. Hell, I don't know. I don't know that any of this matters. You know, and it does. And we have a choice. It boils down to this. We did this last week. God, good. Devil, bad. Heaven, yes. Hell, You heard it. (laughs) So he says, as long as I'm in this body, verse 22, as long as I'm alive in this body, there's good work for me to do. Would you read that with me? As long as I'm alive in this body, there is good work for me to do. If I had to choose right now, I hardly know which I'd choose. So, Bring it back to us. Heaven is our home. Heaven is, we're passing through here. We are strangers. We are pilgrims. We are passing through. Heaven is our home. We should long for home. We should be homesick. We should be longing, craving heaven. But don't rush it. Because as long as I'm in this body, As long as I am here, I have a great work to do. You have a great work to do. We talked about it. As long as you're still here, you have great purpose. Come on, say it. Great purpose. You have giftings. You have callings. You have personality. You have ability. You have education. You have experience. You have your life story. You have great, as long as you're in this body, you have great purpose. Say it again. I have great purpose. And when you get focused on your great purpose, you'll also have this. You'll have full provision. Now, don't just say, oh, good. Somebody's paying my cable bill. (laughs) Full provision. It just means what do you need in life? He promised that as we grow in our knowledge of him and understanding our great purpose, he's going to take care of you. When you live your life for him, you give your life for him, you work for him. No matter what you do in life, you have great purpose as long as we're in this body. I am longing for home. 
I'm looking forward to heaven. I see so much foolishness in this world. I'm like, when do we get done with this? Heaven. Heaven's going to be amazing. I'm going to describe it for you here in just a moment. Just parts of it. But while we're here, listen, don't rush getting to heaven. While we're here, we have a great work to do. We have great purpose. We will have full provision. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, let's go to this. We have to key in on this. He said, while, as long as I'm alive in this body, as long as I'm alive in this body. How many of you are still alive in this body? Oh, man. Okay. So, for the 17 of you that responded, as long as I'm alive in this body, as long as I'm in this body. Now, follow this. I've been teaching this for decades. I am a spirit. Say it. I have a soul. I I live in a body. body. Okay, now the the world teaches that backwards and it leaves out your spirit, really, and confuses really what your soul is. And so we become so body-centric. We're just so focused on how I feel and what I look like and what I eat and where I go and all of that. And, And your body's temporary. Your spirit and your soul are eternal. And the real you, the real you is your spirit. Your spirit. And then you have a soul, and your soul is your will, your intellect, your emotions, your subconscious. It's where you think and feel and decide and remember in the soul. And we've got to take better care of our soul. Because as your soul prospers or succeeds, that comes out into your life. Hello? We live from the inside out. I have a podcast called that, Inside Out. And we've got to be careful that we're not through our eye gate, ear gate, and other gates, allowing just garbage to come in. And allowing strife and grudges and everything else to just pollute, corrupt, and ruin our soul. Because then life's going to really, really be miserable. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And he restores my soul. And I live in a body. Now, whether or not you're happy with your body, your body might not be happy with you. My trainer and I have talked about it for years. When you're younger, your body forgives you. And maybe you could really eat some junk when you were younger. Come on, a two times McDonald's in one day? I thought it was good. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Get a couple of those, you're good to go. No. When you're younger, and I'll have a large Slurpee and some McDonuts. When you're younger, your body forgives you. As you start to age, guess what? Your body either rewards you or it holds a grudge. (laughs) So we got to take better care of our bodies. But the thing is, your body is temporary. Your body is temporary. I live in a body. You have to have a body to live here. Once your body stops, you can't stay here. That's spooky. (laughs) And then everybody spends forever somewhere. Heaven or hell. That's why it's important that you get eternal life in you now. Remember Christmas time, I talked about knowing God, knowing the Father. And this is eternal life, that you know God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, his Son. You've got to have eternal life in you now by receiving Jesus into your life. All right, let's move, 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 move. I want to cover some good ground here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, and he says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in, He calls it an earthly tent. It's taken down. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. 
we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. It's true. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. That these bodies will be swallowed up by life. Do you remember the verse we read earlier? That we move from life even to to more life. Can I tell you something? Somebody beeping? Okay. All right, just stay with me. Just stay with me. We'll just do it. Think about this for a moment. If you have loved ones that have passed on in Jesus, they're more alive than you are. My stepfather, December 1st, two years ago, passed away. I was with him virtually every day those last two months. He had a lot going on. How shall I say it? He was not a medium. He was a big old guy. And he had heart issues and he had kidney issues. He had a number of things going on. And then he fell and he broke his C1 vertebrae. That holds your head on and helps you to turn your head and so forth. And um, I've got some kind of feedback or some kind of something, if somebody can find out what it might be a hearing aid. If it's your neighbor, nudge him, okay? I, I was with him and the doctors working with him and all of those things. And he just was suffering. For years he had suffered. In his lifetime, he had five knee replacements. He had arthritis. He had so many things going on in his body. His body was racked with pain. Function was not good for his body. He was coming down to the end. I was with him. My sister and my, and my stepsister were with him holding his hand when he passed. And I have full awareness of this, full awareness of this, and he loved Jesus. And when he passed, I had full awareness of this, that he just left his body. And when he left his body, the pain stayed, the struggle stayed, the limitation stayed, and he left, and he, because he had eternal life in him, he left here, and he went on into eternal life. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's like this. It's, it's absent. It's absent, present. When the rapture comes, the rapture will be this, in the twinkling of an eye. This transport is an immediate, immediate kind of thing that takes place. And to be absent from the body is to leave this life and enter even more life and go to heaven. Amen. Now, heaven is a real and literal place. And I said it earlier, it's a paradise. Everybody say paradise again. Let me describe a few things for you. It contains many, many things that we're familiar with. In heaven, there is food, trees, rivers, seas, parks, animals, streets, gems, rainbows, buildings. There are many things that we can't even imagine. 
things that we've never seen before, things that can't be described here, things that one, one translation says mere human language cannot utter. There are things that, there that we just can't understand. But I want you to know this. Earth, everybody say earth. Earth is God's style. Originally, God made us to live forever here. This was called paradise. We were made to live here. Sin entered, and when sin entered, redemption had to take place. That's the whole story. It begins in the garden. Guess what? Then God says at the end, I have made all things new, and then we end up in the garden again. But we were originally made to live forever. And earth is God's style. There's so many things that we see written about heaven that are also here. So if God is the designer, and he is, there's things like trees and rivers and parks and all those kind of things that that are absolutely God's style. Now let me throw something at you real quick here. In the book of Genesis, we get creation. And in creation, everything that was made, God spoke it into existence. But then we find in Genesis chapter 2 that God planted a garden. The language is very, very important. It's written in the Hebrew. And he planted a garden. And in that garden were plants, and a lot of them were fruit-bearing, and there were trees. We go over to Numbers chapter 24, and we find that there were aloes that were planted by the Lord. Uh, Do y'all know what aloe is? Some people drink it. My grandma always had an aloe plant. And if you burned yourself or got stung by a wasp or your brother hit you or whatever else, she'd break off a leaf and squeeze out that goo onto you. And it would cool and it would heal. It has healing properties to it. We go over to Psalm 104, and there are many, many others on this. Psalm 104, and it talks about the cedars of Lebanon, which were planted by the Lord. Go back into that Hebrew language, planted. We see it three times, planted, and it means to fasten or stick, to place or to plant. And the big word in the definition is this word. You ready? Transplant. Transplant. Transplant means to take from one place and to put in another place. I believe that there are things that are on this earth today. God spoke the world into existence. He formed mankind out of the dust of the hand. It was his actual handiwork, and they breathed life into us. And then I think God transplanted some things from heaven onto this planet. And I think they're still life-giving, and I think they're beautiful, and I think that earth is God's style. Let me tell you a few things about heaven. Heaven is not just clouds and a hammock and a harp and little drinks with an umbrella. Heaven is a paradise. Get this. This is all from Scripture. It is a city that is four square. It is a perfect square or a cube. Distance is 1,400 miles. That's from Houston to New York City. That's larger than the nation of India. It would be 600 stories high, which if it were placed on this platform right here, it would break through our atmosphere. It is so high. Um, The walls are made of jasper, a beautiful red stone. The walls are 216 feet deep, 
thick. The streets are streets of pure gold, which would be close to clear. There are 12 gates of pearl. The way it is in the Greek language, it's a gate of a pearl. Each gate is a pearl. That's a pretty big pearl. The foundation is made of precious stones. Heaven is a paradise. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's substantial. In heaven, let me tell you what's not there. You here? Are you here? All right. In heaven, there's no more death. There's no more sickness. No more sorrow, crying, tears, anxiety, stress, strife, pain, anguish, or what we're dealing with right now in our family, dementia. There's no one and nothing that can enter that will defile or deceive. There's nothing or no one that can mess it up. In heaven, there's no strife, no lies, no politics, no greed, no discord, no evil, no pride, no lust, no lies, because all liars in the lake of fire. There's no time, no bills, no homework, no nosy, noisy neighbors, no darkness, no fear, no confusion, and the list goes on. Heaven is paradise. Meanwhile, in hell, hell is eternal. It's unending. Hell is unending torment, pain, uh, excuse me, torment, fear, pain, fire, burning, and stench. And the Bible is very, very clear that hell was not created for man. Hell was created as punishment for the devil and his demons. That brings us, brings us right down to this. Who do you belong to? Because if you still think you belong to the devil, if you feel like I can never get out of his grip, I'm not good enough for God, Jesus bridged all of that. And we were held captive by the devil who only comes to destroy and wants to take you into eternal torment with himself. Now listen to this. But the ransom has been paid. Jesus came paid the ransom, and then quite dramatically, the chains have been broken, and the prison door is open. So I just want to boil it down to, here's what you do. Come to Jesus. Live for Jesus. And go to heaven. It all comes down to this. Jesus came and made a way so you could be free. The devil does not own you anymore. He tries to lie to you all the time and condemn you and confuse you and everything else. And I'm not good enough for God. I don't know enough about God. Hey, God knows enough about you. God knows enough for all of us. And he so loved you that he sent Jesus as the ransom. He paid the price. We have now, the chains are off. The prison door is open. And this is what you do. Come to Jesus. Then live for Jesus. And then when all that's over, go to heaven. And the heavy lifting was on Jesus. He did it. He did the heavy lifting. And I shared this with you last week, and I talked about it earlier today. It's all about this, how to live here and how to get there. I just told you. But to get there, it's not what you know. It's who you know. 
And when you come to Jesus and accept him and receive him, and I know some of you have been Christian for decades, but listen to me. When you come to him, you come to know him. And the Bible says that the criteria, the, the check-in book for heaven is called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you have entrance into heaven. Well, how do I get my name in the Lamb's Book of Life? You come to know Jesus. He writes your name in his book. It's his book. The Lamb's Book of Life. And it says that your name's in the book. No one can blot that out. No one, you can't, the devil can't blot that out. Come to know him and your name, your assurance is this. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So while I'm here, I have great purpose. I'll have full provision. He'll take care of me. I have great things to do as long as I'm in this body. But this is what I hope you'll have. I hope you'll feel like I've got to do things for God. I've got to live for God. And I've got to get there. And God will take care of all of that. Listen, heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. I pray that your hearts start to just long for heaven. But I pray that while you're here, you realize I've got great things to do. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this today? Amen. I pray so.